Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. to a special back on our original night Wednesday uh, night edition of BAMS Radio. I am your sometimes host, most of the time producer, Thomas Watts, and I'm joined by Drew DeArmond. Drew, how you doing? Good, Thomas. It's been a long day, man. Uh, A crazy day, but a good day for Alabama. I would have liked to have added one or two more pieces, but you can't get too greedy. Uh, You know, I... Uh, in most of the services, the number one class in America, I guess. But uh, five in a row and uh, seven out of eight is pretty good. Absolutely. And uh, I did manage to get Kerry Clark in the call as well. Kerry, how you doing this evening? Doing good. Doing good. Coming off a national recruiting co-championship. <laughs> one of the truest of ball washers called a consensus. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I got uh, a good basketball win tonight over a pedestrian Missouri team. And uh, got uh, number two in uh, two reputable websites in recruiting and one in two others, the fairly reputable two, and one in the, uh, what do they call it, aggregate or consensus or whatever. Composite. Composite. Got one in that. Uh, a bunch of Alabama fans running around trumpeting a fifth-strike recruiting championship, but this is at best a split championship with USC, which closed much stronger and should have been number one in every service. Still, uh, it was a good year for Alabama overall on recruiting. Uh, they did not fill the developmental left tackle need. They did not fill the blocking tight end that was ready to come in and play need. But every other need was filled and filled in fine fashion uh, with, uh, like I said, a composite uh, title according to 24-7. Uh, got second on scout, got second on rivals, and got first on ESPN. And, got, and let's be clear got first in the composite rankings because ESPN stupidly put Florida State in second instead of Southern Cal, and that allowed uh, Alabama to get the uh, number one in the composite. Uh, But Alabama definitely had a consensus top two class and uh, a composite number one class. Met most of its needs other than, like I said, developmental left tackle and a blocking tight end that should have been ready to come in and play. Got neither of those. Uh, But overall, I'm sure there was a 
plenty of grand ball around tonight in the zone at Bryant Denny, Drew Diamond. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, they were uh, the staff was excited. Uh, I agree. I think that you know the only issues I had with the class was I felt like uh, about a month ago they should have took Lawrence Cager. I feel like you know KJ Hill never wowed me. I thought he was the same type player as Daylon Charlotte. They got Charlotte. They locked him back up on the 16th when they brought him in on his official. They should have took Cager. He was ready to flip. Uh, you know or or even have decided to take him at the Army game. But either way, they should have took him at some point. Uh, and then, of course, would have loved to have gotten Isaiah Prince to stay committed, would have got that developmental left tackle. And then early in the process, the only other small disappointment was Jackson Harris going to Georgia instead of Alabama from Columbia, Tennessee. Could have been that blocking tight end. But other than that, I mean, I still think Hell Hintgis can maybe he has a chance to develop into an every-down tight end. I think he had a very good senior season. So, really, there's only two to three little minor issues with the class, and I think it was a great one by Alabama. I think they met their needs, and then some. I think the two receivers they did get, as far as we said, Daylon Charlotte and, of course, Calvin Ridley were big-time players. Got a lot of really good offensive linemen, including, I think, the best overall lineman in the country, uh, you know, Lester Cotton. And I think think overall, and with Blake getting Blake Barnett, who, you know, Coach Saban was very complimentary of, said – it was interesting because some of the guys they were recruiting at the Under Armour game that they didn't get, uh, he said, uh, even they said that Blake Barnett was the best leader they'd ever been around. So a very exciting time, very good class. And as you said, Kerry, uh, consensus top two, and uh, we'll take that. So a uh, great job by the staff yet again of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, 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 in my opinion, continuing to reload the roster. Any uh, interesting remarks tonight at the uh... – Zone at the Relfin Club meetings. You feel like you can share? Well, I, I can. I can basically give you my take on Tosh Lapoy. Uh, in the in the five minutes he spoke, I learned more about football than I think I learned from Lance Thompson in about eight hours. So uh, of of hearing him in various uh, lo- locales uh, talk football. So I think it's a definite upgrade. You know, also was very impressed with how Mel Tucker handled himself. So I think it's two uh, excellent hires by Alabama. And then, and then as I tweeted out, you know, on my way over here, uh, I'm hearing, you know, that the the coaching carousel may still continue to be turning. So we'll see. Uh, that In what def- way? And nothing definite yet. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a situation that we've, we've discussed on this show before. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a very good chance Billy Napier may be moving on uh, to the Florida Gators. So no shot at Bobby Williams taking the administrative job? No, no no word on that as of yet. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see if Napier does move on to Gainesville, uh, who the candidates might be. Uh, Mike Groves just signed an extension with the Bears. Yes. He crossed him off the list. No, but it'll be interesting to see uh, maybe, you know, possibly T. Martin or somebody mm-hmm. else would, would emerge. I, that's one name off the top of my head. I know there are many others in the Rolodex. Um but we got a couple more minutes uh, before we're going to be joined by our first guest of the evening. Drew, I did want to touch briefly on basketball since it, a must-win was gotten tonight and a 14th win of the season, uh, 62-49 over Missouri, a fourth SEC win. And i got to give it to you, man, from the 256, the pride of Madison. Uh, Levi Randolph really showed up in the second half. Yeah, it sounded like he shot the ball much better in the second half and led the way. Uh, last report I had, they were up eight. So, uh, nice, nice job by in the second half of 
making some shots. They were only up two at halftime and played better defense, holding Missouri to 49 points. So good win there over a struggling Missouri team. And it's one, like you said, Kerry, I don't think there's any doubt about it that they had to have. They did. And uh, actually, Levi ended with uh, 20 points. And he got 15 of them in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was his third 20-point game of the season for the senior captain from Bob Jones High School. Um, and uh, I got to give credit to Levi also. He, he took some time out to talk to my little nephew after the Auburn game. We took him down to see him. So he's now got a new fan in Jake Pratt. So uh, shout out to Levi for that. And also Chris Stewart and Deontay Wilder who is now the heavyweight champion of the world, and we have yet to be running his band drop he made for us two years ago. But, uh, hey, shout out, Deontay. Maybe if we uh, bring it up when I can barely get in touch with uh, Bird a few more times, it'll happen. Oh, wait, I think it's no, on it a computer of Bird's that he doesn't even know where that computer is anymore. But <laughs> part of the blame goes to me because I was so uh, caught up in getting my picture made with Deontay after the Auburn game that I failed to get him to recut it on my phone, which I could have done, and it didn't cross my mind until I was halfway home. But uh, yeah, Alabama got a got a good win tonight, and it, it's uh, it's like I said, they're, they're now four and five in the league, and, and fourteen and nine overall. They got a really tough task Saturday afternoon in Baton Rouge. They got a couple of twin towers down there, uh, in, in Mickey and Martin that are going to be a whole lot to handle, and I'm sure they'll waste no time in getting Jimmy Taylor in foul trouble. But uh, let's just celebrate the win that they got tonight. Uh, it was a good one. Uh, they have some winnable games down the road, but uh, again, this was one they had to have. Final again, 62 to 49, Alabama the tied 14 and 8, 45 in the league. Uh, back to signing day, uh, Drew. Uh, there were four people brought to interview with the media today that are early enrollees. Uh, I didn't make it down there this year, but it was Blake Barnett, understandable, Deontay Thompson, uh, Lonnie Harrison. And I want to say, was the fourth from Calvin Ridley? Uh, they had Brandon Brandon Kennedy. Brandon Kennedy. So they did get a lineman in there. And I understand that all four uh, did very well in their question and answers. But the media seemed to really, really be impressed by our uh, our band's all-star caller, caller family, Blake Barnett. Yeah, I mean, he... Yeah, I I didn't get a chance to hear a lot of it where I was, but I, I'm sure he handled himself very well. And Coach Saban and Coach Kiffin both had glowing remarks for him today. I think uh, they're uh, you know very very excited about what he can bring to the table. Uh, they're going to let him compete, and like Coach Saban said, they didn't have a quarterback on the leadership council for the uh, for the uh, on the junior day because they kind of want to let that play out in the spring, but uh, I also had very glowing comments to say about Kenyon Drake, and he said, Coach Saban reiterated that Kenyon Drake has come further than anybody on the football team and uh, really seems to have matured as a person, which is a good thing. Oh, that's really great to hear. And You know, something about Kenyon, I think when they were making some of the decisions they made as to who to take and who to let commit and all that, they didn't originally anticipate Kenyon coming back and counting on the 85. They were 95% sure he was going to go pro if he'd stayed healthy. Uh, but now there are some issues. I think they're up around 88 or 89 guys on scholarship, uh, even with the departure of D-liner, uh, which, by the way, I think was a good move on his part. Uh, but there's going to have to be some attrition of some sort, be it people transferring, maybe a quarterback or another position, or uh, people that are declared medically unfit to play 
between now and August because uh, even though they only signed 24, uh, they still have about 89 or so on scholarship, and it has to be down to 85 by the start of fall camp. Yeah, and I think that was one reason I kept getting that question today. I, you know, I, and I said, you know, I, not knowing, you don't know what the total number of the 85 is, but uh, uh, you know, I was asked about Christian Bell, and since it looked like we weren't going to hit our numbers, and I said, yeah, they, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in, you know, it, with the class now. But as you said, Kerry, if they're still at 88 or 89, he, he's good with it. I'm sure he'll still gray shirt, and that would be why. And, and that was a good thing for Christian to do. Certainly he can use a little bit more time in the Hoover weight room or whichever weight room. But at the same time, you know, things happen. And there's, a, there's I would say, generously a 75% chance that he'll be in the 105 when they report in August. I, I really don't think that's out of the question at all. Nice of him to volunteer for gray shirt, but it really may not end up being even necessary. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, there's always transfers. There's as you said, there's always some medical situations. And they did give, you know, scholarships to Parker Barino and Nice Wander. And so both of them will return. So we will see. But, uh, again, uh, you know, there's been some already – I agree. D-liner had played in four games in two years. So he wanted to go somewhere and play. Good move by him. I don't think he had been a problem child by any stretch. And I think he had been – I had been told he had matured and – done the right things and so they're going to help him go somewhere we'll see where where that is a little early right now but it's interesting because and speaking of a former Bama guy we all I wondered where Parker McLeod was and you, it just goes to show you he's a, he's on his way to his third school because he was sitting out at Western Kentucky they had a quarterback return that they thought was uh for a sixth year I think that they thought was going to move on and now Parker's transferring it again so uh we'll see where he ends up but Again, there's going to be a lot of roster movement, you know, especially after the spring. You could even see another quarterback or two leave. So I agree, Kerry. It's a fluid situation for Christian Bell. I think at least one quarterback, maybe more, but mm-hmm. one for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see. I'm, obviously, Jacob Coco will be starting for one of the teams at A Day, but it'd be very curious to see who the starter is for the other team, the second team offense. Uh, I'm not ruling out. Uh, Blake Barnett right now. I know it's a long way to go, and he's a true freshman. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be in that mix. I don't think it's a done deal. He's going to redshirt. And Coach Saban even dropped some hints today that it's not a done deal that Blake's going to redshirt. Yeah, he's, they're going to let him compete and see where he goes. And that's the one thing he talked about when uh, about the quarterback situation playing itself out as far as where the leadership is going to come from. I mean, Jake Coker will be the leader in the clubhouse, but after that, you know, they're going to fight it out, and we'll see. Uh, and we'll see uh, how basically – Oh, uh, how the cookie crumbles, so to speak. As far as the Alabama closed today, um, they did not reel in any any major gets. Uh, they did manage to hang on to a guy that had originally committed to them that sort of decommitted, I guess you'd say, in getting Dale and Charlotte back. But they did not get K.J. Hill. Uh, they did not get an offensive tackle of any sort. Uh, and they, I guess, did not. I guess you could say they didn't get Lawrence Cager, but they really didn't let him commit, have a committable offer to this past weekend. Fans get really excited about the close, but, you know, and I'm just as guilty as any of them, we, we, we need to remember that, uh, you know, it's really not how you close as much as it is the overall class. Uh, how, how would you kind of, how would you rate how Alabama, I guess you'd say, finished out today? Some of it was just hanging on the guys. Yeah, Coach Saban even said they had to do a lot of work this weekend of, 
you know, almost like babysitting and uh, hanging on to the guys and putting out fires. And it was a crazy and wild weekend. And a lot of teams like Auburn tried to come in the back door with Anthony Jennings. And, you know, they were just, they just wanted to, you know, keep who they had, which they did a superb job of. And they already had a great class. And, you know, USC had a great day today and had a great close. But, you know, it, either whether you close strong or whether you, you build your class like Alabama does, it doesn't really matter. You just want to fill your needs. Like like I say, very close to having the you know the consensus number one class that you get KJ Hill uh, and uh, which they thought they had a really good shot of last night, and then you know a week and a half ago they had Isaiah Prince. But as I was told by an Alabama coach today, recruiting is a dirty business, and so uh, it's a tough deal. And uh, they still they still do it better than anybody in the country, Alabama, on a consistent level uh, that no school has been able to match since Nick Saban has been there. Right, and uh, really five years in a row of some sort of number one class. They'll be able to say next year that they have five classes of guys, freshman, redshirt, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, all a part of number one recruiting class. And you don't see that very much at, at the college level. But uh, speaking of the recruiting class, a, uh, a very important part of every college's recruiting year is the people that are selected to be preferred walk-ons. And by preferred walk-ons, it means you are allowed to report with the 105 in early August, and you can actually go ahead and roll in June, go summer school, and all that if you want to. Uh, Alabama picked up a commitment from a preferred walk-on uh, at a very, very, very important position on special teams. And, uh, Drew, I'm going to let you introduce our first guest tonight. Well, first of all, you know, we're honored to be joined tonight by someone that I have known since he was born. <laughs> and that's crazy. That shows how, how old I'm getting. Uh, but I've been I've known his family since I was a very young man coming up through middle school and high school, calling every recruiting radio show and getting every recruiting newsletter and magazine I could get my hands on. Uh, but again, I, I'm very good friends with uh, this young man's father, Butch, and his grandfather, Bruce, who's a big reason why I'm in the business I'm in today. But we are honored to be joined by James Clemens, long snapper, uh, the best in the state of Alabama, uh, Ryan Paris. Ryan, welcome to BAM's radio tonight, man. How you doing? Uh, doing really well. Uh, first of all, I mean, I know you you put in a lot of hard work, man, to get to this point. And uh, I know you, in your mind, you probably imagined this this moment. Obviously, you committed this past weekend, but and this is something for the last four years you've been you've been working toward. And so you had signing day today. So and you you and your senior class made some history at James Clemens. Uh, how was it for you, man? Did it live up to the expectations? Oh, it was great. Uh, when I sat down at the table and all my teammates, other than the two sitting next to me, were all there, and I'm just nervous as anything, and I'm not even, like, signing the scholarship papers. I'm just signing a little piece of paper, and I'm just writing roll tide on it and signing my name on it. Um, but uh, I, I was – I got nervous because, uh, like you said, it's just something I've been dreaming about since I was a little kid to go play at Alabama – and then when I started snapping, I was like, eh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't, maybe I'll get there. And then uh started last year, I realized that I had a chance. And so when I was able, when I got the chance, I decided to take it. Yeah, and, and for our listeners, uh, first of all, you know, kind of give them a, a look at yourself, just give them your height and weight, and then go into what you did and all the work you put in, and you and your father, because you guys, man, you guys, you know, you guys went to so many camps and to get your and, and worked so hard 
uh, especially during the springs and summer. But just kind of talk about the pro, you, you know, tell them about yourself as a player, and then talk about the process you went to, you went through to get where you are now. Uh, well, first off, I'm around six foot, uh, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds exactly right at the moment, and that is the exact weight that they want me to report on that, on May twenty-fourth. Okay. But um, I've been working a lot with my dad since I was about seventh grade. Um, eighth grade we kind of slacked off, and I actually didn't start my eighth grade year. Um, but then that summer I went to an Alabama special teams camp and met uh. Chris Rubio, and from there he just started teaching me more, and then I'd come back from camps, and Dad and I would snap four, three, four times a week, sometimes even five times a week in the field house that we have at James Clemens. Uh, we have a, a long field house, uh, and it's probably like uh, probably right at 40 yards, maybe 35 yards long, so it's perfect uh, for long snapping. Um and then sometimes when I wouldn't even snap, I would just literally I would be able to do like drills that I learned from Rubio on my bed uh, when like everybody was in the uh, playroom watching a movie or downstairs watching something and I didn't want to be around everybody and get distracted. I would literally just be able to do the drills in my bed, just just standing on my bed or in the hallway. Um, that was a big part of it, the fact that I could do my drills or snapping really closely either in the home or right down the road in my school. Um, that made it real easy for us. Um, so it was always, hey, right after supper, let's go snap. Or, hey, tomorrow morning, if it was in the summer and Dad didn't have work on like a Saturday or something, um, hey, let's go snap at 9 o'clock outside in the backyard, and then you can do your chores or do whatever you're going to do today, and then tonight we can go back over to the field house and we can snap some more. And that's just that's just what it was. Uh, I, there, was barely, there was barely any times when I could say, uh, when I could remember a night that we didn't snap in the summer. Um yeah, you you get those breaks every once in a while because your body needs a break from it, especially uh, long snappers. Your hamstrings can get kill you if uh, you don't uh, take a break every now and then. But uh, I, it, we very rarely ever did not snap on a night during the summer as I was getting ready for uh, camps in the summer. Hey, Ryan, this is Kerry Clark, also a friend of your dad and granddad. It's good to talk to you. Uh, the reason that we wanted to have you on here is, is because it's such a unique situation that you're in as an invited walk-on snapper. But I will never forget the first time I met you. Uh, you were about a year or two old, and I had driven up to Madison to watch the 1999 Alabama at Ole Miss game with your dad. And I remember you coming in there and watching the game with us, and I had no idea as we were sitting there that I would one day be talking to a, an Alabama player, and, and I congratulate you on becoming that. I, I got a chance to watch you, uh, as you know, at camp this past summer because my nephew uh, came down and, and competed with, with the long snappers as well. But it was very obvious to me that you had been doing it for a long time, as you mentioned, you know, from 8th grade on. And it was also very obvious to me that you were one of the, and rightfully so, one of the favorites of, of Chris Rubio, who is 
for everybody listening, the Long Snapper Coaching Guru of America. So why don't you take us back and, and kind of take us from eighth grade to now and talk about how your relationship with Chris Rubio started, uh, how it developed, and, and some of the things that he's taught you that, that made you the snapper you are. Um, I, well, I first met, like I said, I first met uh, Rubio at a summer camp at Alabama. And when he first met me, uh, he wasn't sure what to think. He was like, uh, you know, he can be good. You never know. Um, and then I went to my, I think my first fall camp that fall, uh, eighth grade, oh, maybe, maybe in the winter. And, uh, he noticed that I had a so-called Southern accent. And from then on, he always called me Greenbow from like Forrest Gump. Um, so from then on, it was always Greenbow whenever he saw me. Um, he had a camp in Georgia and he had the camp in Alabama. And those were the, all the ones that we went to. Um, and then in ninth or tenth grade, or in the summer between them, he invited me to what is called the underclassmen invite only, which is, let's say, the top twenty long snappers in the class of uh, when you're when you're in tenth grade and when you're in ninth grade, or even younger if you started younger and you were that good. Um, so right then was when. He and I both got on the same page as where I could be something special, or, or I could, or I could get those big colleges, or I had the potential to. Um, and then after that, it all really changed. I became to him. I became the kid that he he was doing it right. I was doing it right. So when he would need someone to show an example, he would always just say, "Everybody watch Greenbow," or uh, "Everybody watch Paris." Um, and it was always like that. And then 11th grade came, and uh, I know it was 10th grade. 10th grade winter, I went to my first Las Vegas snapping camp, which is the national competition for Chris Rubio. And first camp, first competition, didn't do as well. He was like, just keep your nerves calm and everything, and you'll do fine next time you come. Well, 11th grade year comes around. And he has a thing called the Top 12 in the Event Elite. Well, as you can tell by the name, it's the Top 12 Snappers. And then it's also the ones after that who he thinks are the best of the best outside of those Top 12. Well, I went to go try to make Top 12 in January. And I was like 13th or 14th. Wasn't that bad about it. So then I went back in May, and I got what is called the event elite, and it was really being honored to me. And I was able to go out to Los Angeles again, um, like I do for the underclassmen invite, and it was all of the top long staffers in the country, mostly seniors or upcoming seniors and upcoming old 11th graders, and we just all went out there and had a giant last man standing competition and it was great I, I finished like fourth or fifth and I, I just I, I did phenomenal and from especially ever since when I really started getting a lot better in 10th grade it's, I've just been his go-to guy when we're in the south um, especially at the Alabama camps now or at the Alabama camps then um, especially this past year um, 
when I actually started talking to them about walking on. Um, I was the line leader. I was watch Paris. He does a ride every time. Um, the relationship between me and him has grown over the years since eighth grade. Um, he he's almost like a father figure. Um, he always had to tell me not to hitch, which is picking the ball up before you actually snap. Uh, it's picking it directly instead of driving it backwards. Um, basically, he compares us to upside-down quarterbacks. Um, so that, that's just a visual thing that you have to picture when you're snapping. Um, and you, well, no matter what happens, you just snap it as hard as you can. And his thing was, if I can get you to snap it as hard as you can, no matter where it goes, he can fix it. So that was always the thing for me, is I would snap it as hard as I can, and then he'd fix it. And I'd snap it hard to get, as hard as I can again, and it'd be perfect. So that's just something that he always had to get into my head, was that I had to use my big, strong body that I had. I'm always working on the farm or doing heavy lifting stuff for my friends or working out that I had to snap and use every ounce that I had and try to put a hole through the punter. So that was just, that's that's one of the big things he taught me was that don't try to aim it. Snap it as hard as you can and trust your form. Yeah, and Ryan, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know you, you you went through an arduous process as far as schools. You went on a lot of visits and, and uh, and before you ultimately decided to go to where you'd always grown up wanting to play, but I know you had there was other schools that you know interested you a lot. What schools did you uh, whittle it down to, and uh, then what was your thought process on ultimately choosing Alabama? Well, um, I whittled it down to my final three, and my final three was Alabama, South Alabama, and Southern Miss. Well, on the day that I the Thursday. Before I committed, I went to a visit down to South Alabama. I loved it down there. It was great. And that day I decided I was going to take Southern Miss out of the equation. Um, they had taken someone else, but he still wanted me to come. Um, I still felt like I could beat out that other guy, and that wasn't going to be a problem. I just I felt more at home in Alabama. Um, so it came down to Friday. Um, and I was like, all right, Alabama visits tomorrow. This time, I can be able to compare the two universities right next to each other and the plans for me right next to each other. No giant gap in the summer to worry about. Um, so I went to Alabama, and, of course, I had a phenomenal time like I always do when I go there. And I was on the way home, and I was like, I'm not going to start a day because it would be way too easy for me to go ahead and say South Alabama or Alabama with either one of the days that I've had. So I said, I'm just going to give myself a night and the day to think about it. Well, Sunday it gets to about, I woke up really early Sunday morning, and I was just thinking and everything, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to do it all by my So I walked downstairs, and I did, I, I was at, I was at my house, and I walked downstairs, and my family was all down there just sitting on the couches, and I laid down the three hats. And uh, I threw I a Southern Miss hat uh on the couch, and uh, I said, and we were about to eat lunch, and I said, I'll choose my pick after lunch. And they were like, no, 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 you can't do that. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I pick up the Alabama hat and I put it on. So that's how I decided on Alabama. Um, but what 
shocking thing um, was Sunday I committed, and then Monday night I got a call from West Point. Um, and before snapping got really big, that was something I wanted to do, but I kind of just let it go. Well, they called me and said, hey, we might want you to come up here. And I said, I don't think I can do that. I said, I love Alabama. I don't want to be too far away from my family. I just can't do it. So um, I guess you can I guess you can say I, I ended up with another one thrown in there late. But uh, it wasn't really wasn't still a hard decision at all. I've got to tell you, Ron, you definitely have got the haircut to fit in at West Point, which uh, I like. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I remember another time that, that we got to spend together, Ron, it just popped in my head. Uh, you were probably uh, around 10th grade, and uh, you and your dad and, and the little girl and all came and watched a Thursday night game over here by my house at Hoover. Hoover was playing. Uh, they were playing Bob Jones. I, I hope you remember that. And mm-hmm. you and me and your dad were standing there watching the game, and Reggie Ragland was in at, at uh, receiver because it was third down, and they threw a pass yeah. to him in front of Marlon Humphrey, right where we were standing, Ryan, and Marlon Humphrey came up and lit Reggie up like a Christmas tree. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yes, I do. Oh, and Reggie was, uh, like, especially with who Reggie is, Reggie Reggie does not like getting hit hard sometimes, especially when he was in high school. And apparently all through that week, he was just mad to compete after that game. I do remember that. It was it was very 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 nice play. I really was getting to a snapping question. I just want to see if you remember that. Uh, I saw a picture of you uh, on Twitter just a couple of days ago uh, at a camp in Vegas, and you were surrounded by Carson Tinker, who I'm a big fan of, and also by Cole Mazza. Uh, just talk a little bit about how snappers, uh, not just Alabama snappers, but snappers in general, kind of had their own little select fraternity. Well. Especially because we're all review guys out there at the review camp, and uh, but really, there's not really a snapper that you don't like. Even if there's, even if there's that one guy that everybody's just like, yeah, we don't like him as much as the other guys. It's still like it's still like a fraternity. Even if something if something bad happened to them, you would all be at the hospital if you could be to be with them. Or if they needed money while you're out there in Vegas to buy food, you would help them out. It's, it's just how it is. So, especially with Carson and Cole, we all had one thing in common. Cole was playing at Alabama. Carson played at Alabama, and I was hoping to play at Alabama. So, the conversation would always be just about Alabama football. Or Tinker's from Decatur, Alabama, and I'm from Madison. So. He knew where I was from, and I knew where he was from. So, but I mean, I'm I'm great friends with uh, Tyler Griffith, who is committed to North Carolina State as another long snapper, and we we text each other just about every day. Uh, I, I probably text him more than I text anybody else during the day, because um, that's just how close you get when you've known people for so long, especially when. You don't get to see him as often, and it's not like you get to see him every day at school, like you do some of your best friends. So that that one time that you do get to see him, though, and you get to have fun doing things that you love, it just makes it so much better. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ryan, I mean, that's some great stuff, man. And I, you are in a special fraternity. You're an even more special when, you know, getting a chance to play at Alabama, you know, in my opinion, the best program in America. Obviously, you have a special skill that's in demand, and you will be groomed behind Cole Mazza. But I want to talk still about your high school career because, I mean, you you kind of are an answer to a trivia question, you and your senior class. I mean, you guys laid the foundation at James Clemens with Coach Wade Walter's squad and and uh, were able to make the playoffs this year in your senior season, which had to be a big thrill for you guys. Had a great year. And then, uh, you know, you you along with your teammate Logan Steenberg, he said he, he's another answer. Uh, to a trivia question, being the first SEC signee from your school. But just kind of talk about some of your teammates and uh, how thrilling it was for all of you guys to get to be, uh, to, to be trailblazers and uh, get the program to a very competitive level and then move on to the col- uh, uh, to, to further your career in college. You know, uh, I'm going to have to give some credit to my offensive line coach because I also played offensive line, and I was as small as one offensive line, so I'm going to have to give credit to him. Uh, for helping Very true. us, but because uh, uh, I was starting center, um, and my left guard Jordan uh, hit me, him and Logan were the ones that, if you wanted this done, you could just about guarantee it was going to get done, or we were going to give everything we had to get it done. Um, but as a as a unit, as a whole. You, the five offensive linemen, we were probably the best unit on the field, no matter who walked on the field, whether it was Bob Jones' DBs or Mountain Brooks linebackers or Gaston City's D-linemen. No matter what it, who it was, no matter the five-star or the four-star, whatever it was, we were still going out to prove because of what Coach Waldrop and Coach Swearing and the offensive line coach put into us that we would have to be the best unit on the field that this team was going to have to succeed. And every single one of my offensive line, we see each other every day, and it's like another little fraternity. And all of us have been there since the first year when we went 0 10, and then the second year when we were 2 8. And I was the one who had the least amount of playing time on the offensive line out of all of us five, and that was I had a little over, before this past year I had about a year and a half worth of playing time. And then this year I got to two and a half, I guess you would say, um, because my junior season I was back and forth with somebody else. But um, So all of us have had two-plus years starting varsity football, getting our heads banged in for two years, just, just waiting for our senior year just so we can just start killing people, um, where we would finally be the seniors, the, the stronger guys, if you would, um, say, on the field. Um, every single one of us fought, our, fought so hard every single day of practice. There was no, no such thing as an easy day of practice for the offensive lineman. Even on walkthroughs, we would have to, we would, I know it doesn't seem like much, but we are offensive linemen at heart. So we don't. So they would call us way down the other side of the field, and we would we would race each other down the other side of the field just to make each other better. Ryan, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we had uh, it was about a year ago. We had Carson here on the show, 
and we had him on to talk about his book, A Season to Remember, Faith in the Midst of the Storm, which I've just started reading that book. I'm only about four or five chapters in. But uh, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you have read it, and uh, let me ask you just what you thought about it. Uh, uh, it is, I have read it, and it is probably my favorite book ever. Um, you know, with everything he went through and what he did afterwards is just, that's that's just phenomenal. Um, I'm probably about to read that book here again um, just because it's, and every once in a while I do like to read and uh it's it's fun to read it, it really is. Um and it goes it goes happy, sad, happy again. Um but it is it is a page turner and it, you there's no way, especially if you're an Alabama fan and you know anything about football, you, reading that book, you will it, it is a I recommend it to everybody that's an Alabama fan. It is it is a great book. And Ryan, I wanted to ask you about another thrill for you uh, because it's something that you'll take with you for the rest of your career because uh, it's another select fraternity. Uh, talk about the experience you had representing your state in Alabama Mississippi All Star Game. I was down there covering the game. Uh, you know, I, was, I even joked to you after when I interviewed you that uh, Brandon Kennedy. And Daryl Williams were struggling with the snaps. I, I thought you might have to go in there and, and then help him with the shotgun snaps. But just talk about that week for you and the thrill of playing in a game like that, and and the, when the memories you'll take away and the relationships that you had with with some of your future teammates and uh, all the guys on the Alabama squad. You know, uh, during high school football, you, you you walk through the school and you're you're treated higher than everybody else. I guess you could say everybody looks up to you. They see JC football on your shirt and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a football player. I want to be like him or stuff like that. Well, we went down there and especially from my standpoint, because I was with the offensive line, but I didn't have to do all the drills that they had to do because they're all 300-pound people and I'm just sitting here 225 pounds just looking like a little midget out there. Um, but we were treated like we were college football players about to go play in the national championship game. Uh, they had a minute-by-minute schedule where, where we were going to eat, what we were going to do that night, what time lapse out one. We had film two times a day, uh, meetings uh, before and after those uh, film sessions. And, uh, you know, especially with... Actually, Brandon Kennedy. Um, I got a pretty good, pretty good relationship with him. Uh, same as Lester Cotton, uh, which are, you know, Lester's going to be. I think he's going to be reporting May twenty fourth, just like me. Um, you know, some of those guys I can't wait to see again. Um, especially those two. I saw Brandon the other day actually doing a visit. He was going down to Brian Hall when I was, and. Um, you know, uh, Keaton Anderson uh, from Florence, he's going to be down there. And there's just so many people, uh, Don Payne, uh, there's just so many people that I'm just going to know on the team. And that's going to make it a lot easier. But um, I-, I loved everything about that week. But I never got bored there that week. Um, there was never a dull part to that 
week to me. Um, it was always fun, uh, even especially winning the game at the last second with a pass that we never thought was going to get caught or, or how we might have thought that it was going to end up being a, a game-winning kick. And uh, Holder was the guy from Mountain Brook, and we beat Mountain Brook with a game-winning kick, and that one just made it funny. I joked about it with Samsung, and then, uh, then we won the game, and we all went crazy, and we celebrated like we just won a national championship or something, and then all of a sudden we get in the locker room and we started looking around and realized that this week's over. It's the last time all of us, at the same time, will be teammates. And uh, it, it kind of hit some of us pretty hard. Like, I'm not the real serious guy for a while. I made really good friends with a guy named Mario Osborne. Uh, he's from Daphne, Alabama. And uh, we called him Smiles because he was always smiling. He was never... Never sad or anything, but uh, he, everybody down there was just some great, great people to hang out with, and they were all cool and they accepted me because he got chosen. They would see me down as offensive lineman, six foot two and twenty five. They're like, "Wow, he's either really good or he or people are just hooking him up." But then when they just, I realized, oh, he's the snapper from the state of Alabama and he's really good, and they were like, "Yeah, we can accept him because." I was the best at my position in the state. So uh, they were like, well, we're going to honor him to say the way in the thing or to us. So it was just, uh, we always, there was no part where me as a kicker won, felt like we were being left out of anything. Um, usually on high school teams, the kickers and snappers, they go snap in the end zone with nobody watching. But every time I snapped, every time he punted and kicked, uh, somebody was watching. Uh, players were watching. Coaches were watch, watching. It was just, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life. Well, I mean, that's, that's awesome stuff, Ryan. And, and uh, you know, it was an awesome game. Like, you know, it was really cool to see you, first of all, get to represent your state. Carry on Johnson, I know he's headed to the school on the other side of the state, but he was MVP from this area. And you guys made such a great comeback. But I guess the last question before we let you go, it's been a great interview. Uh, what are, I know you said you're reporting May 24th. So uh, what are your expectations? What, are your, what is going to be your work schedule now uh, until you report? And also, uh, do you know, have you made any plans yet on who you're going to room with? And, and I know you wore a number 54 when you committed. Uh, you put that up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, are you going to get your number, or have they told you anything yet? Um. About the number, I have no clue. I really hope it's number 54. Uh, that's what my cousin wore when he was in high school, and I started wearing it in middle school, so I'm, I'm going to try to keep the tradition going. Um, if not, I'll, I'll be fine with just about anything. Um, uh, on the rooming situation, uh, we just we just enrolled me all the way tonight, um, but they will pretty much they take care of you on your roommates. Um, you really don't get much in the way to pick unless you've already know somebody there. Um, and the people that I would probably want to room with are probably already pick somebody. But um, I don't, so I don't know that situation. Um, but between now and the 24th, um, I know virtually special teams coach said he's going to send me a schedule for the summer and the fall and all that. And with that, he's going to send, like, a little list of workouts. It's more like a little book, actually. 
And uh, my offensive line coach is our strength and conditioning coach. And him and my friend Jordan does my left guard. We're going to probably do workouts before or after school, uh, however many times a week he tells me to. Um, and then April 18th is the A-Day game. We do a physical, and then we're going to watch the game. And then, yeah, I still on May 18th. get to enjoy a few days off, and then I'm right back to work on May 24th. So it's going to be fun. Well, Ryan, i got to say, man, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on Bounds with us tonight. It was an honor for us. This has been a great interview, very insightful, very knowledgeable. Uh, you've, uh, you've just done a great job in uh, informing our listeners. And, and, again, we really want to thank you because we know you have school tomorrow of, uh, you know, coming on at this late hour. Uh, we had to do this because of signing day and because of, uh, you know, Carrie and I's schedule. But we really appreciate you coming on. And, we, we you know, we've watched you grow up. We're so proud of you. Uh, we're excited for your future. And we just uh, we hope to have you on again uh, in, in the future, in, in, in the, in, before you uh, enroll at Alabama, maybe see how your summer's going. And, again, uh, we just uh, really uh, uh, thank you for coming on Bounds with us tonight and giving us a good 30 minutes. And uh, it's just been uh, – uh, we've had a great time, and we, we really appreciate it, man. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Thank you. And, Ryan, if you and your daddy can, try and join us tomorrow night at Greenbrier. Absolutely. Uh, We'd be honored. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be me, my grandfather, my dad, my sister, and uh, my girlfriend, actually. I think that all of us are coming. So, uh, Thanks, that we're sounds coming. great, man. Thanks, Ryan. It'd be great to see you, buddy. Roll Tide. Uh, great to see you. Roll Tide. Yes, sir. Thank Ryan you. Ryan Harris, long snapper extraordinaire from James Clemens High School. He helped start that program. He also started as soon as this past year. As Drew pointed out, he was a snapper for the state of Alabama in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. Uh, number one snapper in Alabama, probably number one snapper in the southeast, but uh, a really great get for Alabama as a invited walk-on, a preferred walk-on, and you heard him, he's reporting actually May 24th, so he will be part of the 105 in August, and uh, we, we've had a lot of uh, uh, interviews on this show, and that, that 33 minutes, uh, in my opinion, was, was as good as we've had, Drew. It really was extremely insightful by Ryan, to, and it's it's something that a lot of people don't get to hear as far as how the oh exactly the, the evaluation process goes with you know with a very important ooh, excuse me important part of the football team the special teams area uh, you know you never hear about Cole Mazza because he's only had one bad snap in two years and the freak show at punter still got the kickoff so Cole Mazza's been a machine obviously. We 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 believe, uh, you know, that, that Alabama, as far as with their punting situation, uh, he, he he had such a great year this year. Should have won the Ray Guy Award, uh, J.K. Scott, and uh, he and he was just uh, to me the best punter in college football, uh, and could legitimately turn pro after his junior year. But again, Ryan will be a great uh, successor to Cole Mazza. Will hopefully get a chance to play on. You know, uh, three uh, three gets a chance to start, I should say, for three years on some very good football team, and hopefully get a chance to put a ring on his finger. And he's worked really hard and earned his opportunity. And uh, whether it's a, a preferred walk-on or, or on scholarship, he's part of the 105, and he's part of a very select fraternity. Uh, you know, because and again, he he has a specialized skill that's hard to master, and he's done it. And he's the best in the state of Alabama at what he does, and it's just a credit to him and his family. Absolutely, and uh, it, it was it was just great. And I want to add a little bit more to what I said about when I went down there and observed the Nick Saban special teams camp. 
it was a one-day camp on a Saturday, and I had talked to my nephew that snapped at Lanier High, Derek Brown's teammate. We'll get to that later. But uh, he and, and my nephew was a little bit overwhelmed because he'd never been through anything like that before. But he hung it, he stuck it out, and and he could tell, I could tell, my brother could tell that Ryan was a veteran of these camps because Coach Rubio continued to call on him to lead the lines and to show guys different techniques, and and they even took a small group of snappers outside to work with the field goal kickers and the punters for a little while, and then they brought them back in to do some more snapping. Ryan was in that select group, uh, just a special young man, and and really, Drew, if you think about it, he'll be groomed for two years. He's probably going to register this year, and he'll be a true freshman when Cole Miles is a senior, but he has a chance, a legitimate chance, Drew, to be a three-year starter at University of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's awesome stuff. And and for and again for the best program in the country, the most consistent program for you know a, a Hall of Fame coach. And I know his you know Bruce, his grandfather, and Butch. They were huge Bear Bryant fans, and uh, he, and he was a legend. And now he gets to you know maybe he gets to play for this era's Bryant. And I think that's just a, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. You know, and and uh, I remember before uh, Ryan uh, blossomed, and he when he was at Bob Jones before they opened James Clemens, and I knew he was uh, you know was playing football and. But, uh, again, you never would have thought that he was going to be a guy to play at Alabama, but he's busted his tail. I mean, he's grinded and worked, and all his hard work paid off. And, I mean, he had and he had options. He even had West Point call him at the last minute. I mean, that's just a really cool thing. And He's obviously taking care of his responsibilities on and off the football field. And it was a real thrill for me this year to be able to do one of their games on the radio, a uh, home victory over Hazel Green, and he performed very well as a snapper and the center. And uh, just very proud that they were able to establish that program under Coach Waldrop at James Clemens is one that's up and coming. And, and to win, to beat a team like Mountain Brook on the road, I mean, that was just an awesome deal and, and, a, and, a, and a great career for Ryan Paris. And, and uh, again, he should be very proud of what he's accomplished to this point and, and really uh, the best is yet to come, hopefully. Yep. And Alabama, uh, the biggest reason we're having the show tonight is that Alabama has wrapped up yet another uh, composite number one recruiting class. That's five in a row. Uh, they finished first on 24-7, first on ESPN, uh, second on Scout, and second on Rivals. So a consensus top two and a composite number one. They can claim five straight. And uh, they met pretty much every need, as we said earlier. Probably the only thing they fell short on was a, a developmental left tackle and a blocking tight end that could come in ready to play. But uh, those were issues that can be addressed next year for sure. So uh, since we've still got quite a bit of time left in the show, Drew, I thought what I might do is just uh, go over with you uh, each and every signee in the class and you just give back some comments or any stories that come to mind about their recruitment and uh, anything that you think they might be able to add to the team either immediately or, or long range and we can just go over them one at a time. I think it, it would be unfair to, to just single a few out. Let's just do them all. Okay. All right, well, we'll start off with a great friend of the show, quarterback Blake Barnett of uh, Santiago in Corona, California. It's ironic. I just got a text message from my aunt, and the question was, is Blake Barnett pretty good? And my answer was that I think he's the best high school quarterback in the country, and he's a great kid from a great family. Obviously, you know, we've had his high school coach on, his quarterback coach Blake on multiple times. His father, Lance, his mother, Gina, uh, great people. Um, I think the, the comments I heard tonight from the coaches about Blake have me even more excited. Obviously, 
like Coach Saban was talking about what a great leader he already thinks Blake is. And then Lane Kiffin, very excited about, you know, uh, the getting a chance to start to work with Blake and let him compete. And also was very happy with the way he helped almost recruit much of the class. Uh, he was, you know, very instrumental in Damian Harris coming to Alabama. Uh, very instrumental, I think, in holding on to Calvin Ridley. Uh, just did a great job. Uh, I think he's a, a true leader of men. He played at a high school, Santiago and Corona, not a private school, so he didn't have the most talented senior class around him, uh, but still led them to the playoffs. Uh, has been able to, has been able to overcome adversity, and I think every time the lights are the brightest, he steps up. He did that at the opening, winning the double whammy. You know, the, he was able to win the Elite Eleven, then lead his team to the seven on seven championship. Also led his team at the Rivals Five Star Challenge to the title and then wins the skills competition for QBs at the Under Armour game. So uh, just I think he's a, a fine player, Kerry, and I just can't wait uh, to see him get out on the field and step it up with a lot of talent around him, which he didn't have qu- quite as much as a lot of kids at, at Corona. And also – Santiago. Right. And hey, uh, both notes. We're actually getting an interesting question from the chat room. It, it deals no with Blake Barnett. And, uh, yes. Question to both of you. Uh, Coach Saban said today he may play a freshman at quarterback. Uh, what's the percentage of that happening? What do you see I'll, nine months away? <laughs> well, I'll, it's hard I'll go to give for... a percentage before spring training starts. Right, I'm, right. I, I really, I'm not, a, I'm not a member of the automatic red shirt for Blake Club. I think he could play. I think that it easily could. I mean. The, the issue with uh, it's been slow eyes with uh, Jake Coker. He obviously could not beat out uh, you know Blake Sims last year, and I do think you know Blake Barnett is elite. He does need to gain weight, and I think it would do him good to redshirt. But I'm telling you, the kid's special. Uh, say he gets in, he's never been in a weight program like Alabama's. And I'll go to back to something Coach uh, you know Jeff Steinberg told me when I first you know began to talk with coach and, and, and get to know Blake, he told me that most of the great ones are not wired, you know, it's just, they're wired different. He said they, they, they have different expectations and they have special work ethics. And he said that Blake, like most great players, is wired different. And he, he said he's all about the work. He's all about, you know, developing as a player and putting in the time to be great. And I think that's what he wants to be at Alabama the thing that blew him away on his first visit to Alabama when he ultimately ended up committing when he got back home was just the overall structure of Alabama's program, how Scott Cochran develops players, how Lane Kiffin has done with quarterbacks. And uh, I'm just very anxious to see, you know, how Blake Barnett does I, and just how he raises up. Right now I'm watching him on SEC Network shoot a basketball. So very excited about a 6'5 kid that's about 198 pounds right now. And the best part about him, Kerry, is he's also mobile, which is what you need in college football today. Well, he claims he's put on seven or eight pounds on the Cockins program. He, he probably has. So I think he's up around 207 right now. Um, and, and, and he'll be he'll be 215 by eight day because Cockins got a plan for him. Next guy uh, is another person that has joined us on this show in the past, uh, safety from Texas, Deontay Thompson. Yeah, Deontay Thompson. Excited about him, another early enrollee. From West Orange Stark, Stark High School, and uh, hey, I, 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 I just really, I, mean, I think he can be almost like a Ha Ha Clinton Dix type. He may not have as much athleticism as Ha Ha, but I think he's a very, very fine player. He's like a technician back there. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about him because he committed so early, uh, but he had a, you know, a good summer. 
I, you know, a good Under Armour game, and I, I think I just think he's someone that has a chance, and you know, uh, to come in. He played at, at Orange Stark High School, and it's a, like a 4A Texas high school, which is all, you know like a large 6A school or a 7A school in Alabama. You know, a lot of competition in the state of Texas. I believe they went to the state championship game. He had a very fine senior year, Kerry. He's got a, I, I've always heard people brag about his football IQ. Uh, just very excited about Deontay, and I think uh, he, in the very near future, by the time he's a sophomore, I think he'll be a, a mainstay in the rotation. And we actually have a caller who's joining us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, Go Big or Go Home, uh, bigheadsbbq.net. Uh, a caller, a very special person in both of our lives, Drew. Uh, he's actually Ryan Paris's grandfather, uh, a guy that I really look up to, and I'm so tickled that he called this show. I want to bring on Bruce Parrish from up in Huntsville. Bruce, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, guys. I really appreciate y'all having Ryan on tonight. Uh, well, we've never had anybody talk to us for over half an hour that wasn't a recruiting <laughs> expert. It's the first prospect that's ever done it. And I tell you what, Bruce, it was great. And it was so funny to me as somebody that's watched him grow up, listen to him on the phone like that, I felt like listening to his intonation and his voice now, I felt like I was talking to Butch. Well, yeah, he gets takes after his granddaddy. He can talk a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I've yet to meet a parent that couldn't. Yeah, outside. and uh, and Bruce, I got to tell you, he broke the he broke the record uh, when we've had Blake Barnett on for twenty minutes or so, and then Richie Pettibon, I think, went about twenty or twenty one minutes last week and was really fired up, but. Ryan set the new record. Glad for him to do that, and uh, it was just a really mind-blowing interview. Very, very insightful about his process. And again, he's a very a crucial part and crucial cog in what Alabama is going to be doing in the future. And we were just honored for you guys to let him come on at this late hour. But it's been a a long day for us, but a great way to end the day. It is a great way to end of the day, and what a fantastic day for Alabama and and uh, the class that they signed today. You know. Saban and his crew get things done ahead of time, and it's kind of a letdown almost until you start thinking about what all they did sign. Uh, they right. don't get a lot of the attention that some of these schools get when they all of a sudden sign three or four guys right at the end. Saban gets it done ahead of time, and, and then all he has to do is keep them there. So it's been an exciting day for Alabama fans. It's been especially exciting for our family. Uh, as Ryan told you, he did have the – the little thing thrown in Monday night when West Point called. And, you know, you have to listen when they call and start talking about an appointment to West Point. But he's always loved the University of Alabama and enjoyed his every trip he's had down there. And uh, we couldn't be happier. I mean, it's, it's, it's great stuff, man. And we, we just look forward to him being down there and, and stepping up and, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear some his Scott Cochran stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing, uh, when they were down there visiting Saturday, they said that uh, Coach Cochran, when they were going through the weight room and all, Coach Cochran spent about ten minutes with them, and he actually talked in just a normal voice. <laughs> he didn't, wow! There was no screaming or hollering. He was just talking, one. so he can actually do that. Hmm. You know, I thought something might be up with Lyon in Alabama as early as that camp that we all went to, the special teams camp, because I was watching Coach Saban walking around, and he didn't stop to talk but to a couple of families. But I noticed, Bruce, that he stopped and spent about 10 or 15 minutes with all the parishes. And I got, I told my brother, I said, 
something's going on there. I, 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 you know, he, I know he's going to visit a bunch of schools and all that, but something's going on right there, and something tells me the fact that Coach Saban knows who Ryan is, that, that, that it will not shock me at all if he ends up at Bama and dang if it didn't happen. Well, Coach Saban did come over after he had talked to Ryan. He came over and introduced himself to the family, and uh, he told Butch and, and Butch's wife at that point, he said, we're going to be recruiting Ryan to come to the University of Alabama. So that was a real big day for all of us and uh, really enjoyed. And I'll tell you guys, you, Kerry, you particularly talked about Chris Rubio. What this guy has done uh, to help so many kids uh, to get scholarships. LSU uh, just signed a young man today. His brother has been the long snapper at LSU for three years now. And then the younger brother's coming in will take over when he leaves. So uh, there's one at North Carolina. Ohio State signed one of Rubio's guys today. Uh, Michigan, I think, got one. I forgot. Just a whole lot of different schools. And Rubio works with these guys. And, Kerry, the camp you're talking about it at Alabama, if there's anybody out there listening that knows a kid that really wants to specialize and, and learn, they can go to that camp for Rubio down there at, in Tuscaloosa. It's in June, and it's $50 for a one-day camp. And Rubio teaches them around 30-something different drills that they can do. Most of those they can do at home. It's amazing what all they do to work on these different skills involved in being a long snapper. But for $50, and that includes your lunch, you just can't get any better instruction than what you can get down there that day. And now this is two long snappers in a row at Alabama, three actually, that all came out of Rubio's camp because you've got to count Carson right. Tinker, too. He was a Rubio guy, too. And Cole Marvin. And, you know, Bruce, that what you just said also applies to punters and place kickers because there's another Chris by the name of Chris Saylor that works with Chris Rubio at that same camp in all three groups. Really benefit the best $50 you have ever spent. And guess where J.K. Scott came from? Chris Saylor camp. Uh, Chris Saylor. Yeah, Chris Saylor. Uh, guess where Adam Griffith and Chris came Saylor from? Chris Saylor Adam Griffith. Uh, he worked with Adam Griffith. He, he yep. recommended Gunnar Rayburn, Adam's backup, that kicked a few games this year. Uh, yeah, that, that one day for 50 bucks, you're, you're right, Bruce. That's a bargain basement deal. And, and anybody that, that has a chance to take advantage of it definitely needs to. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I have an opportunity from time to time to talk to some different high school coaches around, and I, I've let every one of them know about that because, uh, you know, so many long snappers in high school, the only thing they know is whatever they've learned out there on the high school football field. And there's a whole lot more to it than what most coaches know. So Rubio has made a specialty out of this. Uh Give you a small example, of course. Now, this comes from going to some of his bigger camps that cost a little more, but uh, at one point a few weeks ago, Ryan was having a trouble getting a good spiral on his snaps and got real frustrated with it. And his dad took some video, sent it to Rubio. Rubio got back with him and said, change your grip on, your, on the ball. Told him what to do to change the grip and started the spiral again right away. That's you awesome. can't get that kind of help anywhere else, you know? <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, really an inspiring story. We were talking, Bruce, uh, 
he'll be able to redshirt this fall and then work as a true freshman behind Cole, who's his buddy. And he really, he's got a legitimate chance to be a three-year starter, in my opinion. That's right. I think he does, most definitely. And, you know, we're looking forward to that. And uh, a lot of work between that. And then we, his dad told him Sunday night, he said, you know, your work's just started. You're just getting now started on it. So. We'll be able to save in camp now. He'll be a counselor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll be going to Not one more Rubio wrong, camp. Matt. No, he'll go to one more Rubio camp over in Georgia uh, just as his final camp. Uh, that'll be sometime in the spring here, I think. But um, then everything is like he said. He graduates, and six days later he reports to Tuscaloosa. Well, tell you one more quick. Early. Yeah, I'll tell you one more quick little story from Saturday. They were in Bobby Williams' office for about forty minutes, forty forty-five minutes, I think. And when they got ready to leave, Bobby was smiling and said, "Ryan, you see this face that I, you see on me now?" And Ryan said, "Yes, Coach." He said, "Well, that's my recruiting face. You won't see that face on the football field." <laughs> He did not offer in that meeting, did he do? <laughs> so, they just, that, that, you know, kids got to get ready for the fact that, hey, recruiting's over with. It's time to get down to work now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's true. That's a great story. Man, that's, that's awesome. Well, Bruce, uh, Drew and I both, uh, and Freddie, we're looking forward to seeing the Parises tomorrow night. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll no be doubt. there tomorrow night as far as I know and uh, look forward to seeing you guys. All right, man. We really look forward to it, and we appreciate you calling, Bruce. Really, was an honor. It's great to talk to both of you. It's been a long time since y'all used to call my show, so it's it's nice to be able to call you now. As I I said in the intro, you know, you knew me when I was a kid, and I was uh, subscribing to your newsletter, and I called every radio show I could get my hands on, read every piece of literature on recruiting. I've always been a nut for it, and. uh, just glad to be able to do this for you guys tonight and to be able to work in this industry. And as I said, you played a, an integral part in helping kind of kind of stoke that fire, and I'll always be appreciative. Well, y'all do a great job, and I appreciate you. All right, Bruce, yes, one sir. more Thank you. Go. before you go, Bruce. I, you are a pioneer in the recruiting industry with your newsletters and your shows and your hotlines. Absolutely. And all. I will never forget, Bruce, after all the conversations you had with him on the phone, I was there when you finally met Sean Alexander in person and y'all hugged each other. And that was something that's just going to be embedded in my mind forever, and I just want to share that with you. Well, another one, same thing, was uh, Brandon Myrie. Uh, The first time we met in person, that was a a real, real big thing. And Brandon, uh, I'd put up a picture on Facebook of Brandon with Ryan when he was about three or four or five years old. And Ryan has a football Signed by Brandon and Sean Alexander. There you go. Yep. Tell me how crazy recruiting is, Bruce. Uh, one night, a friend of mine, this is back when I was single, I could do this kind of stuff. A friend of mine and me went and watched Matt Cadell play against the Castile brothers in a playoff game over at McAdory when Barwood played, played McAdory. <laughs> After the game was over, we got in the car and we drove, I kid you not, all night to South Bend and watched Notre Dame, because Alabama didn't play that week, play Pitt, and we got a chance to talk to Brandon after the game. He remembered me from my time covering Alabama. Also, that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, Brandon's a great guy. Uh, he and I still 
good friends and stay in touch a good bit. So it's great to keep that, uh, you know, that friendship going. But, uh, guys, I'm going to let you all go. I know you got other things to talk about. But thanks a lot and enjoyed it and look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Uh, I appreciate Bruce. it. Bruce. Thank you, man. Uh, Bruce Paris of Huntsville, Alabama, but uh, Ryan's grandpa and the father of Butch and somebody that we'll all be seeing tomorrow night at the Greenbrier Barbecue Catfish Hush Puppy Extravaganza featuring Ruby Armand, Freddie Kirby, and Terry Clark. Yes, we will. Looking forward to that. And I got another funny story with Sean Alexander, you know, uh, (laughs) featuring Sean. And Burton Burns was uh, introducing his signees, of course, as all the coaches do on uh, today. The staff will talk about the guys at their position. And as he talked about, he he mentioned uh, the two Alabama kids first, uh, obviously, Bo Scarborough who he says very attentive in the meeting room, and he's very excited about working with him. And then he mentioned to Sherry's Flowers. He said he doesn't talk a lot. Maybe you can get about ten words out of him, but he's mean. And then he said, and then we got a kid from Kentucky, and the last running back from Kentucky we got was pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, like somebody said, well, Coach, maybe you'll wear number 37. So, you know, obviously Damian Harris is a special guy. He said he's a very physical guy and very well-spoken and articulate, and he looks forward to working with him and, uh, he was excited about his running back group, and it's it's hard to believe, Kerry. It doesn't seem like it was 20 years ago they they signed Sean Alexander, but it, it is, I and mean, it just shows you how how you know how how the time flies. Well, I'm gonna ask Freddie about this tomorrow night, but uh, because me and him covered some some Etowah games back in the day, but I'm yeah. okay. The person the person that Damian Harris reminds me of is Carnell Williams. Well, you know that's a that's a great comparison. I saw him play against. Robert Higginbotham in Tuscaloosa County at Tuscaloosa County. He took one of the toughest, one of the hardest hits I've ever seen uh, near the end of the first half, and yet just kept trucking. Uh, he was an elite talent, one of those guys that I never really. It really was just disheartening when he ended up at Auburn. Of course, Alabama was on probation at the time, but he grew up an Alabama fan. You wanted to see Carnell Williams in an Alabama uniform. Great football player. Uh, you know, had a nice NFL career. Kind of. You know, cut short due to injuries, but was offensive rookie of the year with the Bucks and uh, a special talent. Led Etowah to the state championship uh, his junior year, so in uh, an undefeated season, I believe in 5A. So Etowah's program is not what it used to be. It's kind of sad, but uh, you know, at one time they were a powerhouse. Well, keeping it in the 256 and talking about somebody that is a powerhouse now, how about uh, Florence Falcons linebacker Keaton Anderson? Oh man, one of my favorites talked to him again this week on another radio show and he's just a special kid man i mean he's a football so a football nerd but in a good way i mean he's always studying he told us we asked him again why he didn't choose to be an early enrollee and his answer was very insightful he said it would have come during the summer i would have had to take summer school classes i would have missed being with my teammates and i would have missed defensive install (laughs) and he told me he was quite the film geek I mean, he is. He's he knows. As he said, I always want to know everybody's job. Uh, he played three to four different positions. Uh, he would be played inside linebacker, you know, at the will. Then he'd play outside linebacker, and then he'd play safety. And he, he'd even play nickel sometimes. He's he's got closing speed. He's only six foot two ten. But I, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, tonight, uh, I really enjoyed what Kirby Smart had to say. 
He said they they project him as a little linebacker. They said he's not very big, but he mentioned Vinny Sunseri, except I believe he's faster than Vinny. And Coach, uh, you know, uh, Kirby Smart said, we we just think he's going to be a football player and be very productive. He's very fast, and he just makes plays. And he really does. He's so, and he's so smart and such a leader. And I just think he's being completely undervalued by the recruiting services. I had people when the numbers were getting tight late, you know, tell me, well, we just need to cut Keaton Anderson. Uh, no. no. Absolutely not. Watch the tape. If you they watch the lie, tape, huh? it doesn't lie. And he's the only one that can tackle Keith Mixon in the open field. And so, I mean, I mean, he gets after it. He plays with a lot of emotion and intensity, uh, and he's a team kid. Uh, and, you know, and he grew up in a Tennessee family. I mean, his dad and his, and his uncle were, and his brother all played for the balls. But like he told them, I want to win a ring. How many rings did you win at Tennessee? <laughs> zero. Well, unless one of them was on 98 team, zero. No, all right. not. And Keaton also was a great interview the time we had him here on Bampton, as was this next guy uh, from Columbus, Georgia, Carver High, Makai Brown. Yeah, Makai Brown, you know, the first commitment in the class, stayed the course. Uh, as Tosh LaPoy said tonight, low-maintenance recruit, uh, you know, knew where he wanted to go. And then as Tosh said, when he comes into my meeting room on May the 24th, his first meeting with the outside linebackers, He's going to be the longest guy on in my on my position group. Very long and athletic, needs to add weight, but I think they think he has a lot of potential uh, to be a pass rusher. Also, another guy on his uh, position list and his position group, Anthony Jennings, another BAMS alum. Uh, he's very excited about Anthony and admitted that Anthony is already 270 pounds, Gary, and you still can't tell. So they're wow. very excited about Anthony. That's awesome because he was not that big tonight. I saw him play, but I did notice that Anthony is very good at uh, hurrying, pressuring, and even occasionally sacking the quarterback. And there's always a there's always room for a guy like that. Now, uh, somebody that it was a little bit of a, a drama hanging on to him, uh, but uh, one of the better kick returners in the country, and also a very raw but talented wide receiver from Patterson, Louisiana, Baylen Charlotte. Yeah, you know Billy Napier is very excited about him. Said he runs a four three. Uh, he he uh, he compared him to being a faster Kevin Norwood. Uh, so you know he was really excited about uh, the potential of uh, of you know Daylon Charlotte. You know he's somebody that was committed to Alabama a very long time. Then you know kind of went he decommitted in December, but then got back on the wagon after the Under Armour game and withstood the pressure and signed with Alabama. Very good player. Also has a very good teammate, Michael Jones who uh, will be a 2016 prospect to watch. And Burton Burns has a lot of great relationships in the state of Louisiana and did a great job getting Daylon. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a bright future at Alabama. Next two guys are teammates, roommates, might as well be brothers. <laughs> the Prides of Coconut Creek, Florida, wide receiver Calvin Ridley and safety Sean Burgess-Becker. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they, they're joined at the hip. Uh, they're excited about uh, – uh, they, they they like the explosiveness and the athletic ability of Sean Burgess Becker. They've got him slated to start off at you know at safety. Already a 200 pound kid. They think he can bring some athleticism and physicality to the position. Calvin Ridley, uh, you know what more can you say? They're very excited about him. Six foot, about 180 pounds right now. 175. Uh, a freak wide receiver. Only played three games of his senior season due to being too old, but put on a freak show. Was the best wide receiver 
at the opening with Blake Barnett hooking up, did a great job at the Under Armour game. And uh, it was very instrumental in what Amari Cooper accomplished in his three years, being from the same area code. And that helped uh, at A-Day last year just completely blow away Ridley and for him to commit and then stay committed throughout the process. Alabama was able to hold off Florida State and bring in, in my opinion, the next great wide receiver at the capstone. And he may end up being a two-for-one more so than just working Becker because his younger brother, Kevin Ridley, that's Calvin without a L, is also yes. a really talented receiver, and he's going to be a senior next year. 6'2", 200 pounds, and uh, very good athletic ability. And, yes, they have an excellent chance at uh, bringing in Calvin, who was on the official visit uh, on the 23rd with Calvin. Now, I expressed my displeasure earlier about them not signing two true tackles, uh, but it, it's been kind of a spin throughout the day-to-day that uh, even though he wouldn't be a left tackle, uh, his uh, idol is D.J. Fluker, and uh, he is uh, the king of the pancake. I'm talking about Lester Cotton from Tuscaloosa Central. No doubt. Uh, we had a story up on him today on Alabama Intel that we did. We talked to Lester and Dennis Connor on Tuesday before signing day. We feel like at Alabama Intel he's the number one offensive lineman in America. Uh, he could play guard, could play, but he's long enough to play tackle. As Coach Saban said, got the wingspan uh, and the athletic ability. Right now he's around 340. I'd like to get his weight down to around the 310 range so he can sustain. But he's, he's just mean and nasty, Kerry. And, you know, I watched him in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game play left guard beside left tackle Tyler Carr, who will play guard at Auburn. But, you know, it was the first time Lester had played guard since he was a 10th grader. And like he said, uh, he still thought he had 16 pancakes in that game. He played left tackle at Central this year, but looks to start out at, at, in the right, at right tackle when he gets there in the fall or in, in, in late May. And uh, they think he can even, uh, if, he, if he acclimates himself quickly, could be in the two deep uh, behind uh, projected starter Dominic Jackson. No, I agree with that. I think if he can acclimate to right tackle, he can do that. Uh, now, another guy that produced a little bit of drama in as much as he signed yesterday and took to way after lunch today to fax his letter in, uh, cornerback from New Jersey, Minka Fitzpatrick. Well, i got to give Mario Cristobal all the credit in the world for this. I thought he was Alabama's recruiter of the year. He was a machine. He got Burgess Becker and uh, obviously Ridley, and then he had Minka. And it was revealed today, Kerry, he went to New Jersey every week to see this kid. And so that was huge to uh, to uh, to build the relationship with Minka Fitzpatrick to hold off Florida State uh, from flipping him, which I think was Alabama's best competition. Also Notre Dame, who signed his teammate, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Wimbush, today the quarterback. So, Alabama was able to hold on to Minka. I think he's as good as any defensive back in America. I think it's the key to him is his versatility. I think he can play the cornerback position, could play nickel, could even be free safety. Uh, I think he's a very good uh, athletic kid, a uh, very smart young man. And uh, he won't be early enrolling, but I still think he can, you know, be a, a mainstay special teams guy as a freshman, uh, maybe get some re- a few reps defensively. And then by the time he's a sophomore, uh, once he gets the system down, I think uh, no doubt he can be a contributor uh, and quickly and be a a starter and be a great player. Okay. Now, you mentioned this next young man briefly, and I I understand he's going to start out with Coach Burns, but my thinking is that long-term he may end up with Coach Williams or whoever becomes a tight end coach or make sense. And I'm talking about potential H-back or running back, uh, DeSherry Flowers from Mobile Viger. 
Well, yeah, I think he'll stay with Burns, but he won't be a, the pure running back. I think he'll be a fullback like uh, Jalston Fowler. I think he's going to be groomed to be uh, that kind of guy. Uh, like Coach Burns said, he he doesn't talk a lot, but he's mean. Uh, you know, he's somebody that Kerry Stevenson, uh, you know, knew a lot about, and now Kerry's working as an as an off field coach for Nick Saban. Was a long time coach at Viger, knew Desharius and his mother well, and he committed early in the process. Kerry and uh, did have some injury issues as a senior, but uh, was still did the job academically and got in as an early enrollee. And I still think Desharius uh, in a couple years. You could see him uh, be a an athletic fullback and be a contributor there, right? And I'm glad you mentioned that about Mario Cristobal because uh, he was named today the uh, 24/7 National Recruiter of the Year. So uh, absolutely great job by him. Moving on to our next prospect, though, uh, signee rather, uh, another guy that joined the here on Bams in the past, uh, a big safety from Tallahassee, Florida, Ronnie Harrison. One of my favorite guys. I mean, I, today you could see him when he was interviewed. He's a legit 6'3", almost, uh, in the 200, probably around 205, and just a freak athlete. I think he has as much potential, along with Minka and Deontay, uh, in, the, in the secondary. Coach Saban brought up something very interesting tonight, Kerry. I mean, as he said, the original plan, they ended up with seven DBs. They really wanted to take four. They ended up taking five because they liked the five they got so well. So everybody was always talking about the number situation. So Ronnie Harrison, somebody that earned his offer at camp, put on one of the better camp performances they've ever had. He's somebody that can run, hit, do it all. I mean, he has the size, he has the athletic the speed, the leaping ability. And I think Ronnie Harrison, uh, he's an early enrollee. The quicker he gets the scheme and, and becomes confident and starts understanding the concepts of the defense, I think he can definitely play as a freshman, uh, more than likely in a backup role. But I look for Ronnie Harrison in the future to be maybe that hybrid nickel guy who's athletic enough to cover but can also uh, play the run and be versatile, almost like a Landon Collins. That's, that's putting a lot on the young guy. But I just really think uh, that the ceiling is very high for Ronnie. Now, I mentioned earlier that I was a little disappointed that they didn't get a true inline tight end. But right. I think this next guy can bulk up red shirt and work with Scott Cochran and get there. I know that there's been a lot of talk, Drew, about Hale Hentis being an H-back. But at six foot five, only 230, but I think he can bulk up 30, 35 pounds. I think he can become an inline tight end. That's why, you know, I wasn't – I wanted Jackson Harris, but that wasn't a big concern. More bothered by the lack of the, the, the developmental left tackle and then maybe another receiver. I think Hale Hentis is a worker. I think he's somebody that was undervalued again by the recruiting services. You know, I, I think Rivals has him as a three-star. That's a joke. He had 25 offers from throughout America. He, he, he could have gone from coast to coast, Oregon to, you know, to Missouri, to Alabama, to Notre Dame, to Ohio State, you name it. Hell, Hinch has had those kind of offers. And he, he withstood a lot of pressure at Missouri. Uh, like uh, Bobby Williams said, he went to watch him play a couple times in basketball, Kerry. He's a post, starting post player for a very a top three-ranked team in Hawaii. Uh, high school in, uh, in Jefferson City, Missouri, and uh, when they'd go on the road, he was not treated well and was called some uh, de- some vulgar names. They just kept playing, and uh, they knew a lot of people gave him heck for being a traitor and leaving the state, but he knew what was best for him. And I, zones. I, yes, and I and I oh think that and I think that uh, that uh, you know that Hale Hinches can uh, be a, a really good player at Alabama. I think by the time he's a sophomore, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting. 
I just really like his character and his overall makeup. Another guy we had on BAMS, offensive lineman from Wetumpka, Brandon Kennedy. Absolutely. An early enrollee, someone that's going to need to redshirt, but I think has an excellent skill set. Needs to get a little bit better with his snapping. Only played a year of center. He's more of a tackling guard, but they project him as a guard center uh, at Alabama. They really like his potential. A very well-spoken young guy, very smart, a really good worker. And I think in the very near future, you know, whatever that may be, after, you know, being a redshirt freshman on into his redshirt uh, sophomore year, I think by his second and third year in the program, he will be a fixture in the two deep. But it's a, as Mario Cristobal said today, you know, he was told when he got here that the glory days of the offensive line might be over. Uh, it was the best offensive line maybe in college football history with Chance Warmack and DJ, DJ Fluger, Barry Jones, and those crews. But like he said, we're recruiting here. We want, we're restocking the cupboard. And there's going to be a lot of great competition, carry over the next couple of years on the O-line at Alabama. Yep. And uh, this next young man from Memphis was signed as a linebacker. Some feel he may bulk up into a defensive end. Uh, what did you hear tonight about Josh McMillan? Well, you know, the, Joshua McMillan somebody they're excited about. They know he's got to come back from a knee injury. Uh, they're really looking forward to working with him uh, and Keaton Anderson. Uh, you know, he could end up, as you said, growing in – his way into a defensive end with his hand in the dirt. But as of right now, I think he can be that middle linebacker. Saw him at the Combine at Spain Park. was one of the first kids he and Freddie Kirby, or Freddie Kirby and myself saw. Uh, very well put together, very well spoken, had a very good relationship with his lead recruiter, Billy Napier, who did a great job at that school, had a lot of connections over at Memphis Whitehaven. And, uh, you know, Alabama over, you know, they were able to out-recruit Michigan, there's a the big time connection to Michigan on the Whitehaven coaching staff, and also Oregon. He had some really good offers, and of course the Ole Miss Rebels. So Joshua McMillan stuck with Alabama. Uh, he, he played a lot of defensive end in high school. Even didn't play a ton of inside linebacker. So his ultimate destination will be interesting. But I think he has the skill set to be a good player, whether it be with his hand in the dirt or at linebacker. The next guy is going to definitely have his hand in the dirt, and. Uh... We thought good about him all along, uh, but Alabama got his commitment about a week or so ago. Uh, Shades Valley D lineman Deron Payne. Yeah, you know Deron did not have a great senior year. Uh, he wasn't nearly as dominant as his junior year. He had some problems sustaining. I think he got a little heavy. Obviously, with the way the recruiting is blown up, he you know it may have been a, a little bit of a senior itis situation. You know. And being a he maybe not being used to being a marked man as so as much, but I thought he really stepped up near the end of his senior year, Kerry, and I thought he was really good the week of Alabama Mississippi game, and then he was playing pretty well, but then had the unfortunate ejection at halftime. But I thought he was really dominant at the Under Armour game, put together a great week of practice. As Bill Smith told us on this show, uh, the two best D linemen he heard from the coaches, he was coaching the slot receivers, but Coach Smith was. But, uh, you know, he said that the, two, the, the defensive line and the uh, coach and the, and the uh, defensive staff, they always bragged about Byron Cowart and Deron Payne. And I think Payne's got unlimited potential if he were, goes down there and works hard. Thank you for the uh, kind words in the chat room about this rundown. Uh, we certainly couldn't do it without you all's help. Uh, next up, another alumni of this show, a very recent one at that, Drew, uh, offensive lineman from Annapolis, Maryland, Richie Pettibon. One of my favorite interviews, as I've told several people, he was so fired up he was stuttering. And that's not to take a shot at the kid. He's just a tremendous uh, high-character guy, 
love his, his lineage and his NFL background with his grandfather, uh, you know, the Richie Pettibon, who was the longtime Bears uh, safety and then played uh, with uh, George Allen in the Over the Hill gang to end his career, uh, played in the Super Bowl, and obviously coached the Washington Redskins to three Super Bowls as their defensive coordinator uh, and spent one year as their head coach, grandpa football. And I think I, what I love about, you know, uh, Richie Pettibon is uh, he's, he's, a, he's a great athlete, not just an offensive lineman. He's someone that plays center on the basketball team, is a, one of the better lacrosse players in the area. And then come to find out <laughs> from Mario Cristobal tonight, he's got two black belts in, like, jiu-jitsu and judo or something. I mean, this kid, you wouldn't want to run into this kid in a back, back alley. Uh, he's obviously very a nice, well-spoken young man, but he can handle himself. And I just think with his overall makeup, and uh, he's a high-character kid, I think he could play all five positions on the offensive line, will probably be a guard and be someone that's a two- to three-year starter and an NFL guy. All right, and uh, this guy's a re-sign, and I know we touched on him some last year, uh, but now he's enrolled and will be competing, I, I suppose, mainly at running back, but he's got the build to be next back if they need him to. Talk a little about what you heard tonight about Buzz Scarborough. Freak show. Obviously, uh, they're very excited about him. Coach Burns, he said, you know, he's heard all the stories. Everybody's Bo's been well chronicled. But he said Bo is very attentive. He sits in the front of the meeting room. He asks the right questions. Uh, you know, he, And then he said as soon as he watched him practice, he thought this is going to be a guy. He's big. He's fast. You know, he's going to be an impact player. Uh, he's going to be someone they use like a jumbo king and drake, a uh, running back wide receiver, maybe even some H-back. I think he's going to be a nightmare matchup. And I've heard I was told this week that his hands are bigger than Jimmy Taylor's. Wow. And he has long, bony fingers. And I just cannot wait to see this cat play in the A-Day game and, and in the close scrimmage because I think he's going to deal a hurt to some folks. And I think he's going to be a new toy to play with for Lane Kiffin. That's awesome. Uh, Drew, another guy that uh, had a little bit of drama this past weekend. You may have heard a little more details on it uh, because Texas A&M made such a big late run on uh, track star and cornerback extraordinaire Kendall Sheffield of Missouri City, Texas. Well, you know, they tried to do that with uh, the hiring of John Chavis. They met with him. They met with his family. But, you know, Alabama did such a great job recruiting him, Bo Davis, those guys, uh, and selling him on Alabama's program. The success right now of Bradley Sylvie uh, on the track team, of Tony Brown, who's been winning events, of Marlon Humphrey, of him being able to do the same thing. As Kirby Smart said, he's a fast guy with a lot of speed and a lot of athletic ability. And they, you know, they were they had trouble on the recruiting trail because a lot of schools are saying, well, they signed Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey last year. You'll never play. But they were able to get Kendall Sheffield, who they consider an elite talent, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And I think both those guys can be contributors early. I think, you know, Kendall Sheffield may only be 5'11", but he's very, very fast, very athletic. I think, you know, uh, he's not an early enrollee, but I think, again, he's someone by his second year in the program with his athletic ability and speed. Once he gets uh, comfortable with the schematic, uh, uh, with the scheme of the defense and the schematic uh, and variances and all that kind of thing, because, again, Alabama's defense is so complicated. But if once he gets comfortable with the overall scheme, I think uh, Kendall Sheffield can be a contributor. And it's much needed because they needed some new blood back there. 
Uh, they lost that three safeties, Nick Perry, Landon Collins, and obviously Jarek Williams. So they needed some more athletic ability at corner because I think they've missed on some guys and misevaluated. But I think Kendall Sheffield and Mika are both winners there. Before we get on to the next few players, the last few players, I just did a little bit of math in my head, Thomas and Drew, and out of the 24 guys Alabama signed today, we either had the player 13 times or the coach three times on BAM's radio. So 16 out of 24 we brought you coverage on, uh, and uh, that's, that's, that's just how we roll. The next guy we had the coach on, uh, Glenn Davis, joined us a few weeks ago. He coached uh, Millen, Georgia's uh, Jonathan Taylor, a guy, Drew, that many people will push for the starting nose guard position. Yeah, Bo Davis, very happy with him, said he's doing the right things on and off the field, going to school right now. Uh, they just need to get his weight down. Coach Saban talked about maybe getting him, slimming him down to 320 so he can sustain. It's a three-down guy. I think that uh, they they think he can come in and make an impact, no question about that. As Coach Saban said, you know, when Terrence Cody was there, they, they played about three fastball teams, and they played nine to ten teams that were direct runs, two backs, and running downhill. Now you only play one or two, as he put, as he as he called it, wide ball only, which is you know like Arkansas and LSU, where everybody's in a wad. Now everybody's spread out. But if they, I, we've talked about it on this show. Coach Saban said they're trying to slim down the defensive linemen, like Ashawn Robinson, like Jaron Reed, so they can sustain, like Jonathan Taylor. And I think they really think Taylor has a chance to be, I mean, make an impact quickly, and they're very excited about what they've seen thus far. Another gentleman that had, not in my mind, a lot of drama, but there's no question the Florida Gators, and to a small degree the Auburn Tigers, made a late run. Uh, Adonis Thomas from Central Gwinnett High, Atlanta linebacker. Yeah, Central Gwinnett High School, 124 tackles, five six sacks. Now, I don't want to. I, I hate to put the honest on him, but I think he has C.J. Mosley type talent. Yeah, I think he can be an excellent coverage backer in space, but also be able to rush the passer some. Be an all around guy, tack, a really good tackler, really intelligent kid. Uh, you know, the Florida Gators had him committed for a long time with Mill Muschamp, then Will was let go. Auburn tried to get in on him with Will. Florida continued to recruit him, but he held strong with Alabama. And, you know, his coach, Todd Wofford, we've had him on the show. And, we, you know, Adonis, I think, has a lot of potential uh, to be great. And I'm really excited about him. They needed another linebacker that can be an every-down, that can develop into an every-down guy. Uh, I think he can be groomed uh, under Reggie Ragland, who Coach Saban said today, Kerry, this is what I was hoping. They have high expectations for Reggie as a senior. They want him to be the signal caller, want him to slide over to Mike. Hopefully Reuben can be the guy at will, can finally get past the injury issues. Hopefully the light can turn on like it did for Reggie. I do think with Kirby Smart going back inside linebackers, it's going to make that group more productive. And I look for uh, someone, and I look for Keaton Anderson to be a special teams guy from the jump. And I think Adonis Thomas can get on the field as well, even if he's not an early enrollee. I just think he's an elite talent. All right. Uh, now, you mentioned this next guy's older brother earlier because uh, he was part of the best, one of the best offensive lines, if not the best Alabama ever had back in 2012. Talk a little bit about young Dallas Warmack from Atlanta, GA. Yeah, you know, Mario Cristobal's excited about him. Like you said, you may you may remember his brother. and He's, a, he's about he said he thinks he's a, he's a worker. Uh, Dallas is a worker. You know, he's, he's a strong guy, 6'2", 310 pounds, one of the better offensive guards in the country. Thinks he's uh, as an early enrollee. He can get himself in the mix uh, for some playing time. Uh, he just needs to, you know, to continue to grind and work hard. But again, they like Dallas a lot. They think he's a pure guard, much like his brother. 
and I think they think he's maybe he may not have the upside of of uh, of a chance, but I think Dallas can still be a really fine player at Alabama. And finally, last but not least, another offensive tackle, all six seven, three twenty. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Wesley Britt, uh, big whap, Matt Womack, who we flipped from LSU to Alabama. Oh, Mario Cristobal is very excited about him. He said every time he sees Matt Womack, he seems to be getting taller, and his body changes. I mean, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pounds, and as he said, more freckles than any human being he's ever seen. And I mean. <laughs> I think I think yeah, he he's somebody they want to develop. They know and they were very happy. Coach Napier flipped him from LSU and got him out of the state of Mississippi. They think he's a he's a guy who has a lot of upside and potential because you just can't coach that kind of size. He has great feet, and I think they think he could be the right tackle of the future, uh, which would allow them to maybe move Lester Cotton. But we will see. But I think they're very high on a on a two to three year project guy like Walmack. They think he's got a lot of upside. And I realize that at uh, 39 minutes after 11 in the central time zone, we may not have a ton of callers or, or coming to the rest of the show. But if anybody's listening and has a question for Drew or I or Thomas, please call us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. That number is 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707, the Big Head Barbecue Hotline on BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. You can check out uh, BigHeadBBQ.net. Look at the catering menu that old Big Head Chuck has for you. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at BigHeadBBQ. He has a Facebook page as well. And uh, so y'all give, y'all give old Chuck some business. But back to football, Drew. Uh, this past Saturday, uh, there were not any 2016 commitments announced, but there was a ton of talent. Uh, in place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Not going to go over every name, but uh, just uh, tell our listeners, Drew, some of the bigger names that, that, that came out of this past weekend, Junior Day in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as Coach Saban said today, they had 50 or 60 kids in there, and he thought the ironic, the ironic uh, situation was that they ended up with more 2017s, Kerry. I mean, as he said, and they have to decide who to you know offer because – some of the kids, if you don't offer them early, they think you're not interested, and then it makes you know makes the recruiting process a little tougher. So they had to be selective in who they were offering, and uh, they offered a, a handful of kids in both 2016 and 2017. And you know they offered uh, the, the linebacking uh, situation in the state for 2016 is very deep, and uh, they offered uh, someone that's kind of like Keaton Anderson but a little bigger, uh, from PJ Blue of Jemison, Alabama, six two, two hundred pounds. He was one of the first kids they offered. And then they're, they're continuing to recruit the state of Louisiana. Uh, Ponchatoula, offensive guard, uh, Donovan Campbell, 6'4", 349. Had just recently committed to LSU, but he came on a visit and got offered. And then uh, an H-back tight end from Central Phoenix City who has a lot of talent under Jamie Dubose right now, Jamal Couch. Uh, he got offered by Alabama, uh, as did his teammate, uh, 2017 uh, linebacker Markel Benton, I believe uh, he also got offered. So he's another young kid that's a big Alabama fan uh, that they that they're looking forward to recruiting. And okay, this next one, Kerry, you're gonna have to bear with me, man. I'm not sure I can pronounce it correctly here. Uh, receiver? Yes, the wide receiver from Austin Shepherd's High School in uh, North Gwinnett, in uh, you know near the Atlanta in the, in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, his name is Josh Amatub. 
I'm a Tavor Hebe. Okay, that's the best I can do. Oh, he's okay. a, yeah, he's 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, he, his brother got signed with Florida today, so the Gators will be a factor in his recruitment. But he has really good size, had over 1,000 yards receiving, double-digit TDs. So he's someone that I, I, Alabama had actually offered him during the week, but he came to visit Coach Saban, so he's very interested. And then they offered two kids, as you mentioned, uh, a school you mentioned watching, uh, McAdory. Had two young men offered. Uh, obviously, J.J. Jones, a quarterback athlete, a junior, uh, 6'1", 185. It was his first SEC offer. He had a really good year last year, but he may project as a wide receiver, but Coach Saban's going to allow him to compete at the QB spot. And then somebody, you know, that uh, that I know that I've interviewed, uh, you know, in, in Malcolm Askew, who's a 2017 kid who's a very high IQ kid. He's played some quarterback. He's also played wide receiver and defensive back. Will probably be a safety at Alabama or corner, probably a safety, but a kid I think with a lot of upside and could be one of the top, you know, five to ten kids in the state of Alabama. And I think would could be a candidate uh, early in his uh, recruitment as far as what, when he, his senior season to commit to Alabama because he's already drawn heavy interest, obviously an offer from Alabama, but also Auburn, Texas A&M, and Georgia and schools like that. And I think he has a lot of potential. Somebody that didn't get an offer, but that I was extremely excited when I found out that he visited. We didn't call his name last week because I didn't have the information at hand. But I cannot begin to tell you, after having seen him play last year and dominate a high school game, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am that Derek Brown came to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Sugar Hill, Georgia. He, he, he doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't <laughs> He, you know, when you talk with the young man, but he's he's a guy, as you said. You, I remember in your in your Friday Night Lights, uh, he dominated that game. He's he's going to you know be recruited by everyone in the country. Of course, Georgia will be a heavy factor, but he's already been to Alabama several times, so he's coming back, Kerry, and very excited about Derek Brown. I think he's someone that Alabama is going to definitely prioritize in this recruiting class, and maybe a guy Kirby Smart is all over, and uh, I think he's got NFL potential. And uh, I'm another kid I'm excited about in the state of Alabama, Kerry. I saw him play live against Madison Academy. He, you know, he didn't control his emotions. You know, he got ejected in the game in the second half. But I really like the Daryl Marshall's athletic ability. I think he projects probably as a linebacker – or, excuse me, a, a safety or a wide receiver. But he does have a nice arm. He does have a lot of quick twitch athletic ability and mobility. And I think uh, was for him, the Leeds QB, he was offered by Alabama. He, he went, came to a bunch of games with Trey Nation – uh, the tailback at Leeds, who was not offered by Bama, who I also like a lot. But I think to Darrell Marshall, Georgia Tech is recruiting him as a quarterback. But I think uh, Marshall's somebody to watch. I think he has a, a lot of natural uh, talent. He says Alabama told him that they would give him first shot at quarterback. And I think yeah. the reason they told him that is because he is similar in many ways. He's much thinner, but he's similar in many ways to Blake Sims. Yes. And and I've I watched him throw a football. He has nice form. Uh, he has good arm strength. Not great receivers at Leeds, and they're a running football team. But I'll tell you what, uh, the two best athletes on the field that night, Kerry, by far, uh, were Tadero Marshall and Carryon Johnson. And uh, the, a big reason Leeds still won the football game was the plays Tadero made uh, in the in the first half and into the third quarter. So he needs a dynamic player, no question about it. And I think his teammate Trey Nation could end up getting an offer maybe down the road if he's willing to play H-back. Yeah, I mean, the, but the, here's the thing: that the one they've Alabama's already offered someone of his exact position in the state, and that's Malik Miller at Madison Academy. They kind of project as the same kind of player, 
and uh, both of them are very, very good, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Malik did not come to the junior day, but is still very interested in Alabama and should uh, – it wouldn't surprise me if he made the next one. You know, an interesting guy to me because he's 5'10 and, and probably not going to be a quarterback at the next level, but he was the best quarterback in state this past year, uh, Ty Pegram from Clay Shotwell. Yes. He came to the junior day along with T.J. Simmons and Nico Collins. Collins is a 2017 wide receiver, very good size, around the 6'2 range. T.J. Simmons also around 6'2". Not sure he's fast enough, Kerry, uh, to be a big-time SEC guy, but he's very productive. Pigram was their engine. I mean, he, he accounted for over 50-some-odd touchdowns running and throwing. His only issue is he's 5'10", so he may have to play the slot or something in college, but he's a dynamic athlete. and. Jerry Hood's got a lot of talent at Clay Chalkville. And I think we've seen today Florence had about 13 kids signed. And Florence probably would have won a state championship if it hadn't been for Clay Chalkville. Yep, and speaking of slot receivers, uh, Drew, uh, both of our dreams were sort of crushed uh, when Keith Nixon actually eats in the city state today. Yeah, you know. I even had a good friend ask me, you know, would they offer Keith at the last minute? And I said, well, I, I would doubt it. But, I mean, it's sad. But I wish him all the luck in the world. I mean, Me great too. Kid, uh, you know, very well spoken from a great family, uh, coached by Bill Smith, a friend of this show. Uh, uh, Keaton, I, I mean, excuse me, Keith, I think he's going to be a great football player. I don't care about the 5'8". I really could give a rat's ass about it. I hate to cuss on this show. But I just really think he's a great player. Uh, I think he's got a big heart. And, and to be perfectly frank, I think Alabama's going to regret passing on him. I think Auburn will, too. And I think you'll have a very fine career with the Bulldogs. I do, good you. Hey, good question from chat for you here, Drew. Are there any questions regarding any of the guys that signed today qualifying? I mean, not really. I mean, uh, from what all I understand, uh, you know, there was some consternation over Calvin Ridley at one time, but he didn't make it in as an early enrollee, but they expect him to be qualified. Mario Cristobal is very confident that he will be there in May. Billy Napier. Also said that. I mean, I think it's a high character class. I don't think there's a whole lot of if any academic concerns. And somebody was asking me today to to give me a give a player on another show uh, that might not live up to expectations. I said they're on pain only because. Not fair. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> God. and they uh, they just they 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 were like, well, give me somebody that might not be. Uh, you know, might not be all they're uh, cracked up to be. He had, I said pain because he had an up-and-down senior season, but like I told, I said he has all the up, upside potential in the world. And, again, you know, I, I, as I said, it's hard in this class to think of someone uh, that just sticks out as somebody that might not be a really good player. I think they did a very good job evaluating. There will always be guys that maybe don't become uh, the player you, you, you believed when they were signed, but I think this class is very well balanced and, has, and it has a lot of depth. By the way, listeners, if you haven't seen the announcement yet, Alabama has uh, scheduled a day for April the 18th at 2 p.m. at Bryant Dean Stadium. Admission, as always, will be free. And the BAM's radio tent will be set up on the front lawn of Moore Hall uh, all day that Saturday. So y'all come by and, and talk to me and Drew and Thomas if you can make it. Uh, and then hopefully uh, either the 4th or the 11th, Drew and I will be able to gather down there for the closed elephant scrimmage and get a little uh, insight ahead of A-Day, and we'll be sure and bring you what we feel comfortable with bringing you back here on the show. Now, Drew, back to the uh, the junior day situation. That was the first of two. Uh, there will be another junior day on another Saturday in the next two to three weeks. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Malik Miller. I'm going to take a wild guess that he'll be at that one. 
I'm going to throw a name out there that I really hope is there since we didn't get a left tackle today, and that's uh, Louisiana left tackle Willie Allen. Yeah, Willie ended up at Ole Miss. Uh, he went to Ole Miss for their junior day. Obviously, there's a little bit of worry because Ed Orgeron's now at LSU, but from what I've been told this weekend, Alabama still feels very, very good about their chances with Willie and where they stand. And He's at J.T. Curtis High School, which has a big-time relationship with Nick Saban. And, yes. and, I, and I talked to Willie last year, and Willie was uh, – the first football camp he ever went to was Alabama. Uh, and he, as he told me, my goal was to get an offer, and he did. And I think Alabama needs to sign two left tackle types in the next class, carry. And Willie Allen and Greg Little are going to be at the top of that list. Greg Little's from Allen, Texas, already committed to the Aggies. And uh, Willie, I think, is a guy that they'll feel like they have a great opportunity to, to snag, and then they'll continue to recruit. And I, I, I could even see Mario Cristobal going to the junior college ranks. Junior college would be great because that, that would give Willie time. I wonder, just off the top of my head, if Willie is friends at all with Cam Robinson. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'll, I'll, next time I interview the young man, I'll ask him. But he mentioned Cam a little bit in his interview, and they're both from the state of Louisiana. He saw Cam, how he played, and how, you know where his career arc is going. And, 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 and also the Mario Cristobal and all the work Mario's done. Just I met Mario today for the first time. What a great guy. What a great recruiter. And, Guy, the guy has just done a, a phenomenal job at Alabama, and, and I'll say this: there's no doubt in my mind he'll be a future head coach again. Oh, he will, he will. You know, it, I was really tickled that Ole Miss didn't get Drew Richmond. I, I was not. Didn't, I, I wanted Alabama to get him, but when Ole Miss didn't get him, that made me happy too. Uh, he ended up at Tennessee. But the only caveat to that, Drew, is that that's just going to make Ole Miss turn up the heat all that much more, Willie Allen. Well, they could, but. I, I think, as you saw today, Carrie, uh, some of their methods may be wearing thin, and that's all I'll say. Well, I'll say a little more. Uh, there were rumors that at some time in the last 9 to 12 months, that uh, following last year's signing day, that Hugh Freeze got some type of letter from the NCAA telling him that he needed to calm his ass down on how he's recruiting kids. And I think that there might have been some evidence. Now, you know, they got uh, – I believe they got DeMarcus Lodge, didn't they? Yeah, they got – They flipped Lodge, they split Lodge but they – But other than that, they really didn't have much of a close, and uh, yeah. they didn't have a very highly ranked class. So that, that gives me a little hope. Uh, just the fact that Tennessee was able to flip through Richmond in, in many ways gives me a hope that the recruiting of Willie Allen will be a little cleaner. And if it's clean – I think it's an open and shut case for Alabama. I know this is a long way, 365 days, but I think right now you'll agree with me that Alabama feels pretty good about Willie Allen. They do, and, and they, he comes from a strong high school program that is not going to be easily influenced. And uh, and, and they, they pattern a lot of their off-season uh, conditioning after Scott Cochran's system. Willie Allen told me that. And I just think overall uh, Ole Miss closed with a thud. Leo Lewis signed with Mississippi State. I was told by a friend of the show, John Garcia, Drew, no matter where Leo Lewis commits, he will sign on signing day with Mississippi State. He did that today. That's fine. But he's probably going to end up in the junior college. Well, he also signed with Colin Community College, so hopefully we'll be talking to Glenn Davis about him in the future. But uh, You can always recruit him. Yeah, absolutely. And and then uh, they they lost Drew Richmond uh, to Tennessee, which I thought was very humorous. 
You know, they they uh, they lost Jeff Holland to uh, to Auburn, and so they just they did. <laughs> yeah, they just. They I were, wrote Ole Miss gotten him. They they did not close with who they thought they were going to get, and CC Jefferson. They were heavily involved with CC. I think Alabama finished second. I think Alabama came very close on Jefferson, but he just couldn't leave home, and it was a situation forty five minutes for his house. Do what? Did Florida ever get his letter? I think so. I, that that's about five. They didn't have it. They'll, they'll, I believe he, he signed with them. They've been, I haven't heard any words. Oh, I know but, he signed, but apparently he never sent the fax. Yeah. People are saying Auburn may be back in on CC. Oh, give me a break. Uh, yeah, but uh, hopefully, hopefully that one gets done. And you know, they got Byron Coward. Just be happy with that. The check cleared. Yeah. They did get him to their credit. Listen, Drew, uh, this has been a, a fantastic wrap-up of Alabama's recruiting, both present and future. I want to spend these last five minutes, if we could, talking about some other Alabama sports uh, that deserve our recognition. And, and first off, I just want to recap. You know, we've, we've been extremely critical of the basketball team on here with, with good reason. But tonight, the men's basketball team defeated Missouri at home in Tuscaloosa. Uh, the announced crowd was 93-43. There was maybe half that actually in the stands. Bill Battle was there, so obviously he saw the crowd situation. But, but you know, in the second half, Alabama outscored Missouri 36-25 to to go to 14-8 and and 4-5 in the conference. Uh, probably, to be frank, Drew, the easiest team they'll play the rest of the regular season. Uh, Mississippi State has woken up and started playing basketball. Uh, yeah. Vanderbilt is a little better than I thought they were. And we play Vanderbilt twice. Uh, Auburn is a tough team at home, uh, but but it's certainly a winnable game. If Alabama plays defense in Auburn like they did tonight, I think they'll win that game. Uh, but they got LSU this Saturday at five o'clock in Baton Rouge. I wanted to go over just some of the stats. Uh, Alabama had three guys in double figures, led by Levi Randolph, the senior captain, with twenty. Uh, they got twelve points from Rhett Nabasahan, who started at point again, and they got ten points. From Shannon Hale, three rebounds, a block, and two seals. Drew, I don't guess you got to see much of the game, but there was a fire lit under the behind of Shannon Hale tonight. He played harder tonight and more tenacious on both ends than I've seen him in the whole year and a half he's been there. Well, I'm glad to hear that his sophomore season has not been good, has not stepped up like everybody was hoping he would, and to be a consistent double-digit scorer, and also his defense has been atrocious at times. But as you said, I was listening to the game on the radio. It sounded like his energy level was up and that he was playing very hard. Uh, you know, they just need to take it one game at a time. I know it's a cliche, uh, but now they have to go play a, an LSU team that is very long and athletic but squirrely. Uh, and squirrely in the fact that uh, they don't show up to play every night. Uh, so it will be a, a game. I think they should be in the game. And for whatever reason, Alabama seems to play well in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. And Rodney Cooper averages about 28 points a game against them. So hopefully uh, he can show up and play well because that's what it's going to take because that front line for LSUs is the second best in the league next to Kentucky. Right. And their guards are improved from last year and more consistent. They still have their issues uh, where they don't play hard all the time and kind of go to sleep. But I think they can still straighten out their ship and go to the NCAA tournament. So it will be a big game for Alabama. Right. Now, the uh, Alabama women's softball team is ranked second uh, in the country behind Florida and second in the SEC. Uh, they are going to open their season in Mobile tomorrow night on the campus of South Alabama uh, against the Jaguars. 
Maybe Thomas can swing by, maybe not. But they're also going to have a tournament this weekend in Gulf Shores. So if you're in the 251 and you're within an hour of uh, Gulf Shores or Mobile, you probably should go support uh, Alabama women's softball this weekend. Alabama baseball uh, will have another weekend at the Met uh, of scrimmaging. Uh, the fans are invited to come out Saturday morning and get autographs around 10 a.m. Then there will be a barbecue lunch. I'm going to be tempted to check that out. Uh, but you do have to pay, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I'm still tempted to check it out because there's a scrimmage afterwards. I don't know if I'll make it or not, but that's going on at the Hoover Met, and then they'll have a scrimmage Sunday as well, and then they'll open their season uh, next weekend. We'll have more on the baseball team next week on the show. And the Alabama hockey team has cleansed the SEC West. Uh, I did realize this was LSU's first year to have a team. Uh, Alabama beat them, I think, the first game was 19 to nothing, and the second game was 17 to 2. I didn't realize this was their first year. Uh, I was making jokes like after the game we should throw corn dogs on the ice and all that. But then I realized it was their first team, first year having a team. I, I salute LSU for hanging in there. Uh, Alabama, I'm saying this to, to tell y'all, if you're anywhere around Pelham, Alabama this weekend, the Crimson Tide is the host team for this year's SEC Hockey Tournament. And Alabama opens play Friday night at 8 o'clock against Tennessee, which is a good hockey team. Uh, in fact, some of the Alabama guys were saying, hang their LSU. Uh, this is how Tennessee used to beat us when we first got our team 10 years ago. So, uh, But they're doing good. They've won 22 ball games now, 22 hockey matches now. They're doing great. We'll probably need to have Coach Q on again uh, in just a couple of weeks to talk about their uh, NCAA situation once that's cleared up. Uh, but I did want to give a sh- And the gymnastics team is uh, going to host Auburn. Uh, it's going to be... Friday night at 7 o'clock in Coleman Coliseum. Alabama's beaten them 110 times in a row. Uh, probably going to make it 111. Uh, but Auburn is much better this year. They have broken 197 once this year, as is Alabama. Both of the teams are in the top 10. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting matchup as well. And that's kind of a rundown of uh, some other Alabama sports. We're getting ready to uh, wrap up the show. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we go, Drew? Well, I'd like to see, you know, to preview baseball next week. Maybe we can maybe have Rick Penley on. I asked uh, about it, it, and he declined. Oh, okay. Uh, but he uh, gave me the name of another guy that might be willing to do it, and I'll follow up with that gentleman before we make a commitment. But I'll try to talk to the other guy into doing it. Absolutely. I mean, we'd like to preview the team a little bit. Big gear for Michigan. Hard. Uh, Mikey White named an All-American this week. A uh, very fine player from Spain Park. Has had an excellent career and hope he steps up you know, in uh, his draft eligible year. And a lot of the lineup coming back. Got to have some pitchers like Will Carter step up that has a chance to be a good year. And uh, the Hoover Mets looking uh, very Bama friendly uh, right now. Yes, they've made some definite aesthetic changes for this year that are Crimson friendly as well. well we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show now. This, this has been the annual National Signing Day edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Just to recap, Alabama signed a composite number one class for the fifth year in a row. And the Alabama basketball team beat Missouri 62-49 at home tonight behind 20 points from Levi Randolph. For Drew DeArmond of AlabamaInfell.com, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, I'm your co-host, Kerry Clark from Alamag.com and Scout.com, wishing you a happy National Signing Day. And thank you for listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. And roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.